Matthew chapter 1, the beginning of the New Testament, looking at verses 18 to 25, which were read for us earlier. Christmas will be here on Tuesday, and this morning we're remembering and we're celebrating the birth of a king who has made and is making and will make a profound difference in this world. And one of the names that king goes by is... Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, I want to focus this morning on that reality, the reality that, that in Jesus the King, God is with us. To get us started, let's get a little help from Dr. Seuss. Particularly, I, I want you to pull up in your minds that classic wise tale called The Cat and the Hat. We can put up the first slide. The, the cat in the hat can help us to consider the Christmas reality that God is with us. More specifically, the cat and the hat can help us consider whether it's a good thing that God is with us. Let me explain what I mean. Remember, the, if we could have the next slide, the, the young boy and his sister Sally, remember what their house was like before their mother got home. You remember what the cat in the hat and thing one and thing two had done to the house through all of the mischievous games that they'd played. And then their goldfish sounded the alarm, right? Mother was coming. She was just coming up the sidewalk. She'd be in the door in a minute. And what would she say when she saw the mess? What would she do to them? They were about to experience the reality of mother is with us. (laughs) Which raises, raised the question for them. Is it a good thing or a bad thing to have mother with us? (laughs) And, And so for us today, we face the Christmas question. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing to experience the reality that God is with us? The answer to that question, no doubt depends on a couple things. First, have we kept things in better condition than Sally and her brother had? And second, what will God do if we have not? What mood will he be in when he arrives? Let's take a look at the Christmas story as it's told in in Matthew's gospel here and see how it answers these questions. First, let's consider the question, have we kept things in better condition than Sally and her brother had? Verse 21 of the Christmas story answers that question. It explains why God has come to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ. And and it says in verse 21, it's to save his people from their sins. From their sins. Now, what are sins? The, The word in the original language translated sins here is a term that was used in archery. And its literal translation is to miss the mark, to miss the target. To, to shoot for a target and to fail to hit it. In the sense the Bible uses it, it's to aspire to a moral standard and then to fall short. God says, here's the target. Here's how I want you to live. Here's who I want you to be. Here's how I want this world I've created to function and people to function in it. And then we go out and we live and our lives and the society that we create fall short. They, they go wide. They miss the target. Like Sally and her brother missed the mark of when it came to what their mother expected while she was gone. 
She expected, no doubt, that they would keep the house reasonably neat and in one piece. And God's expectations for us are no less than mothers. God expects us to keep our lives and our relationships in this world filled with care and love, characterized by faithfulness and mercy, uh, generosity and sustainability. Jesus paints a wonderful picture of this, haven't we seen in the past weeks in the Sermon on the Mount of what this is to look like. But, but how have we done? Well, in an age of, of broken relationships and abuse and neglect and dysfunction, global warming, extreme poverty, war, violence, corrupt politicians, the answer is, is not hard to find. You might remember Billy Joel's catchy song in the late 1980s, We Didn't Start the Fire, right? It chronicles all of these troubles. Begin, Reagan, Palestine, terror on the airline, Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan, Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, heavy metal suicide, foreign debts, homeless vets, AIDS crack, Bernie gets. Hypodermics on the shores, China's under martial law, rock and roll, the cola wars, I can't take it anymore. And think of all the other verses he could write if he were to catch us up since the 1980s. <laughs> a, a while ago, Coldplay um, had a big hit called Clocks. It's a few years old now. But they encouraged us to reflect personally on all of this with, with the line in their song, Am I part of the cure or am I part of the disease? Do, do my choices, my lifestyle, my weaknesses, my own inner demons, do they have any role at all to play in making the mess in this world or in my life? Or is it all someone else's fault? Well, everyone I know who, who has any kind of um, moral or spiritual sensitivity or, or emotional intuitive health is courageous enough to say what the Bible says, and that is, Yes, I have missed the mark too. I bear some responsibility. I've played a role in, in making this mess in God's world, in my life. I'm guilty like the cat in the hat. And, and so if Jesus came to be with us, to be God with us, to save us from our sins, then I guess he came for me too. All right, well, that's the bad news that the Christmas story uh, starts us off with. Now let's move on to the second question that the story answers, which is, what will God do when God arrives and we have made things a mess? What mood will God be in and how will God respond? And this is the good news of the Christmas story. And we'll have to stick to Matthew's story here because Dr. Seuss can't help us very much. Unfortunately, in real life, there's no magical gizmo that's just going to come in and clean it all up in a few seconds before mom walks in the door. No, when God arrived on that first Christmas about 2,000 years ago, the world was still in an absolute mess. And so what will God do? How will God react as we read the Christmas story? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing that God is coming to be with us? Well, the Christmas story answers this question. So let's look more closely now and we'll discover four ways that in Jesus, God is with us. And each of these we're going to see means good news for us. First, in Jesus, God is with us in the midst of our trouble and our confusion. Uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, 
is pregnant. The experts tell us, based on marriage practices of that time, that she was probably a young girl between 12 and 16 years old. She's engaged to a man named Joseph. Marriages were arranged in those days. Mary and Joseph would have consented to this marriage. But whether they loved each other and how well they, they even knew each other, we don't know for sure. In Jewish culture at that time, to be engaged was to be as good as married. Until your wedding day, you didn't live together. You certainly didn't sleep together. Perhaps you couldn't even find time to get alone together. But nevertheless, you were husband and wife. And to break off the engagement required a divorce. To cheat on your spouse-to-be was considered adultery, and it was punishable by death by stoning at worst, or at the very least, public shame and humiliation in your village, in your community. So Mary's pregnancy was very likely the, the shame and the scandal of her family and probably her whole village. What hope does she have in that culture? No man will marry her now that this news has come out. She's likely doomed to a life of poverty and rejection and shame. And this is the setting in which Mary finds herself. And so what is she going to do? She knows that that the baby growing in her room is is not the result of of any adultery. That it's rather the supernatural work of of God in her life. But who's going to believe it? It's perhaps even hard for some of us to believe today. Who knows if if she's even had a chance to communicate to Joseph her side of the story? Evidently, Joseph doesn't believe it. Why would he? Poet W.H. Auden expresses well what Joseph's struggle may have been like if he'd heard Mary's explanation. Joseph, have you heard what Mary says occurred? Yes, it may be so. Is it likely? No. Mary may be pure, but Joseph, are you sure? How is one to tell? Suppose, for instance, well, maybe, maybe not. But Joseph, you know what? Your world, of course, will say about you anyway. You see, no Jewish man in that day would would marry a single pregnant woman. Unless, of course, he was really the father of her child. In which case, by marrying her, he would be admitting to be the father and so publicly assuming her guilt in the community. Well, Joseph isn't the father, and so he decides to do the only thing he can do in that culture, which is divorce Mary. What a mess the whole situation is. It seems that there will be no happily ever after for Joseph or for Mary. Only pain, misery, and confusion. But here's the good news in the story. In Jesus, God is with us in the midst of trouble and confusion. God didn't spare Mary and Joseph from the situation, and he often doesn't spare us from situations. But God did come to them to be with them in the situation and to see them through the situation. And God has come to be with us in our trouble and confusion as well. Take a minute and think about your own life, your own situation, your own heart this Christmas. Maybe pick one word which best describes how you're feeling right now. Whether your word is 
something positive, whether it's negative, just take a second and think, what's the word that describes how you're doing right now? Whether your word is is something like joyful, fulfilled, thankful, excited, whether it's stressed, broken, disappointed, either way, there's good news. God is with us. In Jesus, God is with us. And there's more good news. The the second way that God is with us, according to the Christmas story, is that in Jesus, God is with us to take our shame. Notice what the uh, God's angel asked Joseph to do in verse 20. He asked him to marry Mary, the pregnant one, the shameful one. In effect, God is asking Joseph to take on Mary's shame. What a tall order, especially in that culture. But notice something else. God is not asking Joseph to do what God is not willing to do himself. In Jesus, God is with us in our shame. As far as most people knew, Jesus grew up a bastard child, an illegitimate child, born to a teenage mom in in a culture which made the Puritans look permissive. If you've read the Scarlet Letter, you have a feeling of what's going on here. Born to a dad with such low standards, so people thought that he'd marry such a woman. And into such an utterly shameful situation and family, God came to be with us. God isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. God isn't afraid of what people think. Now, of course, despite all appearances, the Bible protests that Mary was innocent, that she was the model of virtue. And Joseph, too, was upright, was righteous, was compassionate. God isn't with us to encourage shameful behavior or to act shamefully himself, but rather God is with us to take on our shame. To take it upon himself and then later in the story to bear it away to the cross where it can be forgiven and removed so that we can be pure and free. Are there things you're ashamed of? Regrets, mistakes, embarrassments, the messes you've made of your life or maybe the lives of others? Allow yourself just for a second to remember what that shame feels like. And then hear with your heart this good news. God is with us. In Jesus, God is with us to take away our shame. To take it upon himself. To take it away. But there's more good news. The third way God is with us is that God is with us to save us from our sins. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which incidentally means the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. In the cat in the hat, when when Sally and, and her brother's mother came home, we don't know what she would have done if the house had still been a mess. But we do know what God has done when he came to be with us. He did not lecture us. He did not condemn us. 
He did not punish us. He did not make us clean up that mess until the house shines. (laughs) But rather, he took the consequences of the mess that we had made. Instead of making us clean up the mess ourselves, God got down on his hands and knees to serve us. To serve us by cleaning up the mess, our mess, himself. See, the place has still got to be cleaned. And God is doing the cleaning. That's why Jesus came. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who never missed the mark, came down to take our sins and to bear them away on the cross so that we can be completely forgiven. In Jesus, God is with us to save us from our sins. How do we receive this most awesome of Christmas gifts? To have our our guilt and our shame and the punishment we deserve taken away. Answer, we entrust our lives to Jesus, the King, God with us. We trust him. We receive his forgiveness. We follow him. And that leads to the fourth and final way God is with us. Not only to take on himself the consequences of our mess, but to teach us to be mess cleaners and not mess makers. Because there's still the practical ongoing work of of messes that need to be cleaned up in our world and in our lives and in the lives of other people. And so God is still with us in Jesus to model for us, to teach us, to help us to live our lives in such a way that we leave things better than the way we found them. Relationships, situations, our own lives, our world. We've seen Jesus doing this this fall as we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've been working our way through. And and we've seen that this is a tall order (laughs) to to be mess cleaners instead of mess makers. And, And yet, There's good news, and that is that Jesus doesn't leave us on our own to to wrestle with our hearts and to figure it all out for ourselves. No, part of the good news of Christmas is this. In Jesus, God is still with us now and always. Jesus himself assures us of that fact. If If you go over to the end of Matthew's gospel, if you have your Bible open, flip over there to the very last page of of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, the very last verse, in fact. Jesus ends, rather Matthew ends, his telling of of the Jesus story the same way he began it, with, with these words, starting in verse 18 of chapter 28. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, that is, followers of Jesus, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That last line, surely I am with you always. God's last word to us in Jesus is the same as his first God is with us. I am with you, God says. I am with you, Jesus says. I am still with you. Jesus may not be bodily present with us now, but he's assured us that he's still here. When you're a spirit, you can do that. 
God is with us in our confusion and trouble to take our shame, to save us from our sins, forgiving us, and then continuing that cleanup work in our lives and through our lives in this world. In Jesus, God is still with us now and forever. Until the end of the age, as Jesus puts it, when the cleaning work will all be done and all of us, and in fact, all things will be made as new. And at that time, Jesus will return to be with us physically, present forever and evermore. That's the good news of Christmas. That's the good news that Emmanuel, God, is with us. So question as we close. Have you invited God to be with you? Have you invited Jesus to be present in your life and in your heart? Let's pray and let's invite him to do that. Maybe you have invited Jesus into your life, but there's a part of your life right now where you particularly need God to be with you. Maybe it's something you need his forgiveness for. Maybe it's an area you've been shutting him out because you're afraid or you're a little bit stubborn and you need to invite him in to be in that part of your life. Maybe it's an area where you're hurting or you're worried right now, maybe about this coming week. Will you invite God to be with you in that part of your life? And maybe you've never invited God into your life and you want to open the door this morning and invite him to come to forgive you for the messes you've made and to begin changing you into a person who's a mess cleaner instead of a mess maker. He'll transform your heart and transform your life. So God, we lift these prayers up to you. For those of us who are willing, we invite you to be with us in our heart or in those places of our hearts or lives where we have been intentionally or unintentionally leaving you out. In Jesus' name, amen.